Hello, everybody, and welcome to this brand new episode of Music to Live for with Shanti. I'm your host, Shanti Perpellini, and today with me, Joan Jordi Oliver, musician and composer, and together we will talk about his way from classical music to electronic. So, what we're waiting for. So, let's go! Check this out. Hello everybody and welcome to this brand new episode of Music to Live for with Shanti. I'm your host Shanti Papalini. Today with me, John Jordi Oliver. Hi my friends, how are you doing? Hi Shanti, it's good to see you, it's good to be here. Hey, thank you very much. First thing first, I'll let you introduce yourself. Um, yeah, so my name is John Jordi Oliver. I'm a musician from Spain based in Zurich since the past uh, six years, I believe. It's been a while here. Um, I'm actually trained as a classical musician, but in the last years I've been doing more of uh, experimental electronic music with uh, my saxophone and later on with more like synthesizers and music production. And uh, I would say my practice uh, stays at the intersection in between like different genres and between different uh, music practices. And yeah, just excited to keep discovering. Them. Yes. Um... I, I think it, for all the audience, I think it would be interesting to know how we met. And it, it, it was 2020, and uh, I had the chance to work at the Davos Music Festival. And um, I remember, uh, I guess we met at the restaurant, and then we had already the first concert. And I, I understood that you were playing saxophones, and you were there with a quartet and everything. And in my mind, was like, hmm. Because it was also my first time at the Davos Festival. So I, I didn't really know what to expect for the whole experience. And in my mind it was, okay, we will have a quartet of saxophones. So, okay, let's do it. And I, I was so uh, interested and intriguing by the fact that you propose such a modern program. And the fact is that... Um, I used to know saxophone just in one way, let's say. I just knew one recipe for that instrument. And thanks to this experience, I had the chance to explore something new. Um, contemporary music is not something uh, I'm really um, new, but it's always a surprise because it's definitely a topic and a, um, let's say a word that it's opening right now, I would say. I mean, it's something as the word contemporary said is <laughs> contemporary. And there is always something new to understand. And specific, um, I remember of uh, your quartet playing uh, in a church, in a, in a small church, in a very small village in the mountain. And uh, it was a mix of sounds uh, from the instrument itself and then some electronic. And something important to say, the church were really small, but the dynamic and the atmosphere you create with the sound suddenly seems that we were in a huge space. I mean, all around, it was not just a music that go direct. This is something that also I'm, I think most of the audience have when they witness a classical music concert. Uh, you have the orchestra on stage, you are in the audience, and you got this music like straight forward to you. But when you have to deal with contemporary music, some kind of contemporary music, it seems really that the music surround you. And that specific experience, uh, it was really, really incredible. So uh, I, I think the first question for me to you is just, um, first of all, how did you decide it for saxophone and what broke you in this new uh, way to interpret a music for that specific instrument. Thank you, Shafi. I, I appreciate that you enjoy the experience. It means that it's work. Yeah, um, it's very interesting because also when we met at the Davos Festival, that was really the peak of uh, Corona. That was the summer of 2020. And during many months, we did not know if 
we were going to perform at the festival or, or not. Right. And in the end, we were lucky enough that we were brought there in this beautiful small town and got the chance to play several concerts. So basically, um, our job there, our function, we were hired as some kind of artist in residence. We were like a saxophone quartet who performed not only in this event, but in several different spaces during the whole week. And we had like different programs. Some programs were a little bit more classical. Some programs were featuring like new music, new composers. Um, and for this one concert in the church, we got the chance, we got offered to create our own experience. Um, so then I talked to my colleagues and they proposed to write music for this one specific concert. If like the setting was very specific, it had to be like in this church. Um, 30 minutes of music um, and for me it was a really a really good challenge because it came in the right time um, as corona as corona was hitting us and you know before that I was performing a lot I was really like mostly saxophone player and my music was really oriented towards like uh, this situation that you described kind of a performer on a stage performing in front of an audience and kind of delivering a very direct product, something that mm -hmm. really goes from A to B in a very frontal manner. And this was a little bit the things I was used to before Corona. It was kind of the format that was running all the time. And so then in February, Corona happens. This I'm talking about like five months before this concert you described in Davos. Corona happens and suddenly all concerts get cancelled um yeah the stage is closed you you don't you don't have the way to experience music in that that way anymore so basically there was a chance for me to for the very first time discover ambient music mm -hmm. before i did not know about about it or i knew very briefly just names and so on but corona really allowed me to immerse myself into that kind of experience because it seemed uh, proper at the time. It was like a very kind of lonely period for, for most of us. It was time of being at home, just listening with headphones. And for me, ambient created this kind of more immersive experience that you are describing and yeah. that we try to provide in this one concert. So you don't, in many cases, also in ambient, the musical agent disappears. There is not, you don't perceive anymore a person uh, with their gestures, kind of performing an instrument, but it's more like music becomes a space. Music becomes texture, color. Many times you don't even identify the instruments. Many times it's even like computer generated. So then mm -hmm. what's left? It, it becomes more, music becomes a space that you uh, inhabit. And I found that concept like really, really interesting. And it had a very big impact on me. Because that was the way to consume music during uh, So that was a really, really big influence uh, for me. And it's funny because this piece that, that you mentioned that we performed at Davos was kind of my first attempt as a composer to kind of bring that again into the stage. So for example, what we did in this small church was we positioned the saxophone players in different corners, if you remember. Mm -hmm. Audience was in the middle, and then we had also like a system of loudspeakers that was also so basically in between the different like saxophonists and speakers, we created a whole square or circle around the audience, and we played sounds uh, from all the corners in order to avoid this more frontal experience in the favor of uh, atmosphere and in favor of a more immersive experience. So yeah, and it was it was interesting for me to. Uh, later, later on, I actually got a bit more involved in music production, and I started doing music that didn't feature saxophone anymore or other instruments, just like synthesizers and digital processes. But this one piece, I really tried to involve somehow the saxophone playing into this kind of a style, and that was interesting because it's kind of it's a little bit of a contradiction. It's like you have like a performer on a stage, you have something that visually it's very appealing. You have something that you want to look at, mm -hmm. but the music doesn't, the music is not about looking at it. The music is about being in it, kind of being mm -hmm. surrounded by it. So I find this kind of contradiction or this kind of mm, 
situation very, very playful. And it's something that I've been then exploring in other works more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I can only say that I totally agree because I was there and I witnessed that. I, it also happened that for other projects I worked here in Basel, um, we also had this idea of a music, uh, music sorry, that really uh, it's around you and it comes to you from different direction, giving you this kind of new experience. And um in that specific case, as I said, to me, it was interesting because I just knew saxophone more and jazz. And even in orchestral music, I really had less contact with that instrument. Uh, but in some ways, uh, it seems to fit for that kind of, uh, of goal of composition because uh, the sound you can maybe in the beginning recognize this instrument, but at the same time, this long notes moving and moving to the time, it just becomes something that you don't know, something that also, as you said, it wasn't looking somebody playing, but the curiosity just could be generated to the performance because you said, as you said, uh, is it a real instrument or is something uh, man-made? Uh, It's a machine, yeah. So different points. So, and I think this is also what is interesting for contemporary music is that open you not just uh, as a performers musician, uh, different options, multiple option, but also as a listener, you really can for once close your eyes and imagine totally a new situation. So it's definitely a new dimension. Or look at and listen to music. Right. I think um, in the end, something that contemporary music um, or several kind of uh, aesthetic directions of contemporary music play with is um, precisely like destroy a little bit or transform the identity that has been given traditionally to certain instruments. In the case of the saxophone, it's very evident uh, it's a relationship with jazz, but also like traditional instruments associated with the orchestra can benefit from certain musical experiments because then you can be really playful about, I know the history of this instrument, I know how heavy it is in a way, you cannot forget where it comes from, but then you put it into a new musical situation and kind of give it a new identity, that becomes really interesting because it's some kind of um, confrontation with the expectations of the audience. And I think something that you mentioned about uh, receiving a new experience as a listener, um, for me, it has to do also with being challenged and kind of providing something new, providing something unexpected and... Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way, if you thought you knew everything about one instrument or one style, to kind of change that and say there are like almost infinite ways to, to make music and to treat instruments and to make sound and to um, manage sound. So for me, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, what you can do with that as a creator. Yes. Now comes one of the main questions that I uh, had in my mind in a couple of weeks. Uh, um, is What's your relation with this called electronic music? Because um, if I think about my experience growing up uh, early 2000 and everything, electronic music means something. And... More and more, I get into my experience in classical music, modern music, and now the approach in contemporary classical music. Um, it's definitely something fascinating, but I have to be honest, to me personally, sometimes it's hard to understand. It's like, it's not, it's something that I am curious to listen to it, but at the same time, it seems like I need also, uh, an explanation on why or how does it work? Because um, it's really uh, definitely a new conception. And of course, later on, we're going to talk about your album. 
um because i had the chance uh, two days ago to listen to some tracks you you uh produced and um i'm definitely first we get into that topic i definitely want to understand your position your opinion about what is electronic music nowadays uh right i mean it's a, it's a big question uh i think uh, my approach to it so i will describe a little bit how how i got at least more involved into it sure. as a practitioner rather than than as a listener because of course as a, as listeners right or as, as people who grow up and are aware of radio and are aware of the music that is played at parties and uh, events you you do have kind of a, a vision of what electronic dance music could be you know, different genres in that direction for sure um but for me as a as a musician this came really first from the um, academic world so i had this i had my training as a, as a classical, classical musician and as a saxophone player i had to um do a lot of contemporary work basically because our literature is reduced compared mm -hmm. to other more kind of uh, traditional instruments so very quickly since i was a young performer i got involved into pieces that would combine saxophone and different sorts of electronics uh, you name it it can be like uh, live electronics where your sound is transformed in real time or it could be play with uh, pre-recorded sounds but a little bit my first experience with this kind of music was through Precisely this kind of more brainy, complicated experience that that you that you describe. Um, when I finished my saxophone studies and I decided that I wanted to go in the direction of being a composer, then I I got even um, deeper into that and I started uh, studying a little bit the history of electronic music with the first radio studios, with what they were doing in Köln, what they were doing mm -hmm. in Paris. Uh, all these people, music concrete, uh, music electronic, um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, um, it, to, to a certain point, I understand your vision, and it's music that requires requires a lot of context and requires a certain degree of, of knowledge. Um, it requires some kind of appreciation that comes uh, not only from the listening experience itself, but from a very kind of um, let's say, rational point of view of understanding how this music is made, understanding its beauty, or also mm -hmm. when it comes from and so on. This was a little bit my first um, kind of contact. But later, and this um, happened again during this epiphany moment in, in the first corona, I got mm -hmm. in touch with music that, let's say, it's more physical. I went back to a little bit music that it's not almost, and this is a little bit controversial, but almost not a language or mm -hmm. almost not some kind of, um, how would you say it? Say a language, but it becomes more like matter. It's really like sound as something you can touch. Mm -hmm. So like sound is something you hear, it's something that comes to you, as we said before. It's something that has weight, it's something that has a color, it's kind of brighter, or it's darker, or it's thicker, or it's very thin and fragile. And for example, like drone and ambient music um, kind of opened this new possibility to me. It's a little bit more sensual in a way. It's music that you don't need to understand anymore. It's music that you need to feel. It's mm -hmm. music that provokes, it's a little bit like an abstract painting when you see Kandinsky or when you see a Rotko, for example. You are not trying to see anything into that. You are not trying to understand. It's just color, which it's supposed to make you feel something when you're in mm -hmm. front of it. So I think with um, the kind of electronic music that at least I'm trying to do now and that I enjoy listening to at the moment uh, goes a little bit more in this direction. It's music that I, I think it's very physical in a way. It's music that you feel in your body. And that sometimes, yeah, sometimes, no. of course, in music, there is no black and white. Everything is in between. Everything is in this massive scale of grace. Um, but I think music I'm kind of more attracted to at the moment and kind of something that is appealing to me as a creator and as a listener is music that you don't need to understand much anymore. You just need to be there, be in the space with it and 
feel it mm-hmm. and feel how it pushes you and pushes your body. Yes. It has some yes. weight. And this is something that, uh, to me, it's really, I feel emotionally connected to this at the moment. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, what you picture right now about the idea of looking at the paint, uh, contemporary art, visual art, like where uh, the subject is not just like mountains or uh, something specific, uh, but it's something that, let's say, five subjects in the room in front of the picture will see uh, different things. Um, and those things are really, um, let's say, influenced from the how the soul of those person are in that specific moment, the energy they feel looking at those colors, those movement and everything. And, uh, and this is create like a, a new form of dimension for the listener, because uh, it could be like three people sitting one near to each other. And they listen to this kind of sound coming from left, right, front, back and everything and in that specific moment it's not that those people are looking like a performance on stage like a, a solo piano but they are really experience the music and each of those uh, subject feel something unique and different but based on the subject itself I mean on yourself exactly. and exactly. this is yeah. also um I think it's more like I would call, call it like with my word, like the rave effect, because if you think why people love electronic music, the other kind of electronic music with a beat and everything with this dancing and stuff, because you are with other people, but then it's you dancing, it's you feeling the rhythm. In some ways, we are in the same balance because you're uh, you can be sitting or you could be standing where you are, and you have this experience with music, and um, it's something that I had to learn also by myself. Um, I remember back in the days, uh, back at my university studies, uh, we had like two semester. Uh, with a wonderful teachers, and she showed us uh, what it is, contemporary music. Okay, we did like, of course, a chronology from the first, going to the big name, <laughs> uh, John Cage, of course, <laughs> and till nowadays. And it was kind of interesting, but at the same time, there was also a lot of skepticism because, yeah, you sit in a play in a room, and you listen to some audio files. But years later, thanks to my work as stage manager, I witnessed a live concert. And then, only then, I really understood this idea of leaving the performance and not just listen to it. Yeah. And this is is something that... I can only advise to everybody. So to all the audience listening to this episode, if you have the chance to listen to a concert of contemporary music or just be just be brave and be open also with your mind and just try this experience because it can be really, really interesting. Um, talking about concert, I remember you are also active in Zurich for some concert. Um, can you de- describe a little bit uh, what you're doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I stay active as a performer, right? I did not, I did not give up uh, the saxophone playing. I'm also like more and more playing just like a purely uh, electronic sets of my music. And yeah, I try to find the balance. Like I think I try not to uh, restrict my profile into a very narrow category of saying saxophone player or I am a composer or I do this or I do that. I try to melt those profiles a little bit and I try to keep doing a little bit of it. And I think also my practice benefits from moving in between these profiles and performing gigs from time to time and then composing. So for example, like the past few months um, have been very intensive, intensive, like performing with several people um, in different contexts, in different ensembles. And now I'm trying to keep uh, January and February free just to compose. Mm-hmm. So it's like I need to be a little bit strict about that. But I normally try to um, keep active in all forms of music making 
because I think that informs each other, right? In the end, you need to be in contact with the matter of music by playing mm -hmm. it, and you need to be on a stage and feeling things on a stage. And that kind of will benefit the moment where you just sit at the desktop and start writing music, right? So, yeah, in this sense, I try to stay active. And I mean, I saw a couple of pictures of the equipment you use. And this is something maybe will uh, it very could be very interesting for some audience who are now listening to because they maybe are more into DJing or more technical uh, on what his music is. And um, so, what you using uh, also when we were at the Double Festival also so uh, the the right uh, technology you need to perform um, all these things. Just how did you learn? Using this is something that you like had always this idea. Oh, okay, uh, is interesting. Let me check this and that. Or is something that you learn more uh, through your studies? Um, it's something I learned very slowly because I'm really not talented on those things. I pretty much suck at like uh, technology, and my brain is really not made for like mathematics and logical stuff. So, but uh, to me, this is important. Like um, my Choices on gear depend on my musical ideas, period. It's like I, being a little bit more involved in the scene, I understand the hype for like certain uh, kinds of uh, instruments or like people who worship certain instruments or like they finish a concert and all they want to know is, wow, what, what modules do you have on your modular synthesizer and so on. And I think... It's legitimate. It's like there is there is some kind of obsession with gear that I understand because it's it, it's really a fascinating world, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. super interesting. And with these little tools come also like musical languages. But for me, it's a little bit the other way around. For me, like I have a musical idea first, and then I see what I need to it, what kind of gear I need. So that changes from concert to concert depending on what I have, um, depending on the kind of music I do, but. Um, I would say for me, mostly I, I use computer the most. I use, for example, uh, it's called Mads. It's kind of a software for returning um, music where you can design your own patches, you can create your own effects, and it's kind of a very, very flexible interface that allows you to basically do anything you imagine. So actually, that's, that's really fun for me. It's like a platform I've been using for several years now, and I feel comfortable. It gives you that flexibility, right? Just mm -hmm. show up with a computer with your match patches and maybe you need a few MIDI controllers or whatever. If I play saxophone, for example, I would uh, 80% of the time use my foot pedals mm -hmm. because that allows me to really uh, perform and manipulate my electronics while my hands are busy. Um, yeah, so I would say that's my main tool. But other than that, I do not... Put a lot. Of, I don't give a lot of importance to to my choices on the gear, or I don't think they are very relevant for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, definitely, as another interesting point of view, because as you said, um, there is this kind of new glorifying of the uh, what the instrument or electronic device you are looking for. Um, Something that always fascinating me is to see how this cable connection for synthesizer is just like a jungle of cable and uh, um and but I'm totally ignorant on this. I mean, I don't know the difference between put that uh, jack in that specific input beside two on the same line, but two down. Uh, but um, the result, I mean, the result is interesting. Uh, but from a point of view of the human uh, experience uh, I love to see how some people get really nerdy <laughs> into that kind of um, instrument and uh, I noticed this also for effects for guitar amps uh, there is like a science there is a huge word out there and um, I actually uh, following uh, on Instagram uh, musicians and she play harps and she, I guess she has like a, a special model of ARP that she has inside, like a on the instrument, she got like an input out, like a electric guitar, and she plays uh, through different of effect, pedals effect, and there are uh, effects that are not mainstream, they are all made from people um, quite DIY, or, or let's say somebody, as you said, had an idea, 
create their own patches and then to make like a pedal. And um, and for me, this was just scratching the surface. It's really another word. Uh, and um, we, I, I suppose that as modern society, uh, we are used to electronic music in a way and um, we just see some producers and DJ uh, um, in different kind of electronic music using some similar patterns. But the fact is that uh, there is so many options. So um, it's just fascinating. It's just fascinating because for one, for once we have this uh, first uh, unlocked door of playing a classical instrument uh, allow us to reach new connection of sound and ideas. As you said, oh, I have this idea as a composer, but, and then I see, oh, can I reach it? And on the other side, we open another door where you, you just discover there is a, a brand new world in front of you. And it makes of rhythm, it makes of sound, it's made of different levels, frequencies. And um, about frequencies, I, I guess the only example that I would like to bring on the table today is your album. What did you produce? Uh, because I really enjoy this idea of ambience music, creating like a space a room where you are. I mean, the feeling I had it was in the middle of this room and then your music just surrounded me. And then you have slowly with a rhythm that at the beginning, I think that normally people, when they start hearing something changing in a dynamic, they like to follow or finding the path, the reason why it's changing. Even the rhythm, you know, they say, oh, it's coming something, but what's the rhythm? It's something that I know, like, it's something that in some ways is like when you listen to like some um, not European music, like I would say a sitar concert, uh, it's not another dimension of music and dynamics. And the same with some electronic music, say like this, and, and you create, you create slowly, you give this effect like this. And I think it's so healthy because it's help, it's all of you just to reimagine your way to interpret what you're hearing. And uh, what for also think is interesting for me to ask you as a as a producer and musicians is um, when you create these sounds. I mean, I have this. Uh, I can imagine that when you play your production, your music live, you can feel free to to use the time you want. Like it's an experience that goes maybe on this on the album three minutes but live you can also extend to 10 but something that's in, in, interesting me because i don't have this uh, mind setting i mean i don't really know how to really uh, engage this music is how in your head function this idea of building those dynamics and i mean there is like a tempo or something or you just go by heart yeah, that's that's a really good point. That it was for me like the biggest challenge when I started doing the music production. And this to here as basically so the two albums that I produce are just really not performed live, are really just made on the on the screen, putting everything in order, creating the session, modifying sounds, listening, modifying, listening, modifying. It's kind mm -hmm. of very not live process, it's like just clicking your mouse all day long. So for me, it was really uh, scary in a way and really challenged to say, wow, this way of creating music, it's the opposite of live music. It's kind of the opposite of what I'm used to in the first place, but it's also the opposite of what it should be when people listen to that, because you don't want to make music that is dead. You want to make music that, that really moves and that it's alive. So that was really like a major challenge. So I don't have I don't have a formula for that. You just rather hope that it works. But for me, it's a little bit a mixture of both. So I like I I kind of play things uh, either on the computer or on my head, or I try to simulate something 
I try to work a lot with simulations. When I when I write music, I need to listen to the result more or less immediately to know if this could work or not. It gives me a sense of sense of time. It's, it allows me to sit with the music and to see how my body changes while I listen to that. So I need that a lot. And on the other hand, then from a little bit my uh, classical training, I also have a couple of. Um, let's say I support myself on the theory to know that certain things will work, right? So it's mm-hmm. like I have now a certain knowledge to imagine if a musical structure will work or I kind of have, my knowledge allows me to kind of imagine if a musical material, how, lo- how long a musical material can last for. Mm-hmm. Like, will mm-hmm. this be boring after 30 seconds? Can I do two minutes of this? I have this idea for a piece. Should it be like six minutes? Should it be ten? Mm-hmm. Does it need change? Um, how much do I want to? Pu- how much do I want to push this? Do I want to do something very easy to absorb, or do I want to do something challenging that maybe I will like push those forms, push those boundaries a little bit further? So I don't know. For me, it's a little bit a combination. I need to experience the music live. So as much as I can, I try to simulate things, or if I have some ideas on the computer, I need to replay them even in their basic form to have an idea of how it works. And on the other hand, I try to trust a little bit more, more like abstract thought, mm-hmm. um, hoping that it will it will materialize in some form of music that will make sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I noticed that uh, what you were talking about is that my question really comes from this need of my head <laughs> to to find this pattern, you know, <laughs> that's what's so, it's kind of very, very funny because I say, okay, uh, in some ways I just maybe just shut up. I just listen to the music and enjoy that moment. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's really more my, my way to deal with that. I mean, because maybe I'm also used to the one kind of music. So once again, um, getting in touch with this kind of uh, musical production is really not just an experience of listening to something, but also to leave something and really um, hollow you to get into something new. Um, it's always going to be listening to music. It's always a personal experience. Right. So it's like as a a creator, as a creator, you can, I think my my approach is to try to satisfy myself in the first place as Mm -hmm. a listener to my own music and then just hope that other people will get to appreciate it. And it's true, we're like very individual and we have our personal opinions, but we live in the same world and we have like the same stimuli here and there. So right. you could hope that people do react at least in a similar fashion to a certain So it's like it's a little bit like both ways. But in the end, um, it is deeply personal. And the way you, you will live music or the way you will live life is like uh, we were talking before about. Uh, the experience of being there in the space in front mm-hmm. of a painting or in a rave or in a concert. And in the end, for me, this is the same a little bit as just contemplating the sunset, you know, like it's the beautiful sky at the end of the day. There is nothing to be explained. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's nothing you need to find out. It's just the way it is and you are there. And sometimes you get emotionally touched by it and Maybe your colleague next to you doesn't give a fuck about it. So it's like, that's a deeply personal experience. But for me, with this kind of more physical music, it's it's a little bit the kind of uh, thing I'm I'm interested about. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I, I was saying, I saw in Instagram you play like, uh, um, I think it's called Strom am Mittag. I don't know, something like this in Zurich. And I think if I'm right, from what I saw, is you performing alone. But I also saw you uh, performing here in Basel, a concert in a paddle. It was a special location, was this paddle areal, and uh, you were playing with uh, musicians. There was, um, um, let's say, uh, acoustic instruments. Uh, of course, um, a lot of electronic involved and a lot of light show. It was very, very intense and as their uh, interesting visual, but also audio experience. And uh, it's for you, um, what are your feeling? Because we were talking a lot about the feeling that, that this kind of music, new music create. And so what's your feeling uh, in between playing, being you at the console, uh, creating this music, and when you are 
there with a band playing. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, Stroma Mitak is, is like my, my concert series. So I actually played one concert because I had to, because the artist canceled the night before because she had Corona. But normally it's not the, it's a concert series that I organize and create. Oh, okay, cool. them. So it's like I invite electronic musicians from Switzerland and soon internationally also to come to perform in Zurich. Mm-hmm. I'm just organizing that basically. But yeah, I, 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 I understand the question, like the difference in between like performing electronic music maybe and the, the, the physical experience of performing an instrument also with people. So I think for me, those are like very, very different experiences. Um, I feel um, maybe an immediate answer would be like when you are in front of the computer, when you perform electronic music many times, uh, it does not only involve uh, gesture, it doesn't involve you do something that is a reaction, it many times involves you activate the process and then the computer is going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. you activate the sequence or you kind of change the way everything is routed so that it sounds different. So it's like for me, um, a little bit uh, playing electronic music means you deal with a system, so you are never alone, there is an electronic system that you kind of manage. Many times, um, this depends also depending on the gear, depending on the play and so on but in many cases it's like I feel there is some kind of current that uh, there is some kind of current that is happening music is just like flowing and you are there managing a little bit you change a little bit the direction here you give a bit more here you give a bit less there um, and you kind of deal with this massive sound and you kind of navigate it mm-hmm. somewhere where you want more or less but it's not like you don't decide everything Mm-hmm. It depends. Some musicians might. For me, that's a different When playing saxophone, uh, it's the complete opposite. Like the saxophone doesn't do anything on its own unless you blow into it and you move your fingers. So mm-hmm. it's for me like a, a very, very gestural experience mm-hmm. where you have to take pay attention to all the details in the way you produce music. It's a very physical relationship with the instrument as well. It's very much about reaction. It's very much about being fast in the way you listen. It's very much you have full control on the sound. You know, in electronic music, many times you activate the process, and then maybe you need to wait to see where it develops. But in the instrumental playing, the moment you stop, the music is gone. Right? So it's like a, yeah. it's, it's for me like a completely different experience. Also, like <clears throat> in this specific concert that you described, this is with my band, the the Y band. Then you have like five musicians on stage and the interaction in between human beings is also like a big, big part of it because you have to be flexible together. You need to kind of synchronize your minds and between different decisions according to maybe decisions you made, but also according to what the space gives back to you, the resonance of the room, the energy of the audience, mm-hmm. uh, your position on the stage or whatever. And that is... And this paired to you having full control on the sound because of the instrumental playing, it makes it a very intense kind of reactive uh, situation. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. both uh, both are really essentially different ways of making music, at least from my perspective, the way I understand it. Mm-hmm. And you talk about uh, you organizing those concerts in Zurich. And, uh, and of course, uh, I will let more information also in the description of the episode. So for those who will be interested to witnesses and be there, they will be just able to um, better know the next event. But uh, you talk about uh, a Swiss uh, scene and also, uh, let's say, European scene. But in Switzerland, uh, is this a thing? I mean, there is quite a... Uh, a scene of new composers get into electronic, or you're just like a few, uh, a few in the in this new scene. No, no, I believe it's pretty. It's a pretty big community. I would okay. say. Um, also, like also internationally, I feel there is there is now. I don't want to call it a trend. I want because I'm, I'm on it also, but I want to call it some kind of people of the academic background are getting more and more interested in mm-hmm. kind of the tools or the ways of making music of more the underground of the scene. So you will get to see more and more uh, 
mostly composers, I would say, that used to just write the scores for classical instruments, getting more into like synthesizers, getting more into electronic music, getting into new forms of mixed media and so on, getting into new forms of music. So I think internationally, that's a thing. I feel that's, that's a little bit the direction that new music is taking from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then not only from this academic background, but the people who really come from the experimental music scene, which are, it's, it's not always the case. I think every profile is different. Uh, I would imagine that it's people that come maybe more from like the, the DJ scene or people who did jazz, got more into free jazz and then switch into electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a big, there is a big community for, for that, certainly. And there are like many wonderful artists in Switzerland who are doing this music nowadays. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly a thing. It's certainly mm-hmm. a thing. Okay, so this is definitely something that if you're interested in this kind of sounds and you want to discover something new, so it's something that you can find. It's not that you need to go and look under stones just to, to find just, just three, four nerds that, oh, they're doing what I was looking for. There is something, as you said, uh, there's really a true community of musicians. Um, and so that means that also you can find uh, the right information you need, some nice inputs and... And I suppose also a very interesting flow of of ideas. Um, I personally, uh, I know these days more uh, in the between percussionists that they were starting doing more um, electronic, uh, using more pads, electronic pads, and everything just to to also to reach more of these goals of let's do within the in a percussion speaking more new new dimension um but uh, uh personally uh, you and your projects since i met you in davos uh, you for me, you for me you were uh, my um let's say my the biggest example for me that i also broke to other friends and in other episodes hey, saying you. oh yeah i got these friends is doing this and that and uh quite interesting is that um in two weeks, I would be at the Bosville uh, Kunstlerhaus, Bosville. They do like an academy for contemporary music with students, mostly from the Lucerne School, music school. And we have like some composer from lower Europe, uh, young composers coming and discussing uh, different topics uh, with the musicians. So it was not just uh, about knowing better what's happening, uh, but also about how... Um, your body uh, should play with, you know, the, this idea, the classical uh, element is that you sit there and you plays and you play in the orchestra, let's say. This is the basic. But what does it mean? Uh, although because instrument is played by the body of somebody, so how you can use it, how it's not just, it's mind and body um, in this new formula, in this new world, it's this new dimension. And the idea is that in September, they organize a little bit and they started to have some ideas and composing. And in two weeks, we're going to work on the composition and we're going to have two concerts. If you follow uh, my personal account, uh, Shanti Stanley Perpolini on Instagram, uh, you will for sure see a couple of pictures and a couple of information. But of course, even uh, on the podcast challenge, uh, sorry, podcast channel, I will for sure uh, post some information because the idea is also I also had some technical writer from some of the um, composers and I saw already what they needed like we need to create a sound ambience with using some boxes and generate this kind of sound and a musician that will be outside so for the audience gonna uh, the sound will arrive in another way than a normal classical format concert and I personally, I'm very curious because it's a positive challenge, even for myself as a stage manager. Uh, how should I deal with that? Or should I organize that? What I should looking for? Um, but I also, I can't wait really to listen to what those people have created in their minds in these months. So it's going to be definitely... Uh, an experience that I, I, I want to share with all of you. Um, can you just tell, tell us a little bit more? Um, I think it's also important with this 
platform to give you the opportunity to talk about uh, your records. So if somebody's interested and want to support you as an artist, can, uh, we'll be also able um, to support you, maybe bind uh, your 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 vinyl or your disc. I don't know which format did you made. I guess you did also an LP, a vinyl version, if I'm correct. That's right. Okay, yeah. so I let you just just tell something because I'm also curious, you know, always to to because watching things on social media is something, but when you have the chance to talk to the artist, I just wanted to seize the day and know more a, a little bit how also you choose to produce a vinyl and not a CD or not just just to stay on on um, digital platform. So it could be just inspiring even for other artists listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, right. Um, exactly. So, uh, so far I have released, uh, two albums of, uh, experimental electronic ambient music. And, uh, the first one is called on Lida. Uh, that's, that means like in the air in Catalan. And that was released in the label Total Silence Kern in May of 2020. So that was my very first, uh, step into music production and ambient music. And I'm still very happy with the work. I must say like normally. It's good when it doesn't happen always. Like I usually hate all the works of myself. And I think that's the case for many musicians, right? You listen to works that you've done in the past and then it's like you cannot look at it positively. But but to be honest, I'm, I'm still still now quite happy with the music. Then it's music that I still play on the stage from time to time. The music of this first album, Andaida. And yeah, I mean, you can you can find it on bank and want to listen to it. So this album was produced in vinyl as mm -hmm. well. We got like several copies. That was a little bit. That was a little bit like the choice of the label. They they took a little bit like the creative direction there. I, I had the chance to work with them, who were more experienced in the music market and in the music world for many years. So it was a little bit their strategic decision to go the, creating a vinyl instead of a CD or a cassette or anything else. And mm -hmm. we, we went for that. I was lucky enough that they took care of everything. They took very nicely care of the, the whole production. And yeah, so now we have this beautiful product uh, that is kind of a vinyl, which is something very beautiful, having your hands as well. Music as a physical object, right? Something you can bring to the concerts and give to friends and so on. So mm -hmm. And yeah. Basically, a year later, I released my second album, uh, Transit, and this one was released in the, the Zurich label called End Titles. Um, yeah, exactly. And this one is uh, unfortunately only digital, but mm -hmm. uh, it's it also uh, can also be found in Bandcamp. And yeah, basically, uh, the two albums go in a, in a similar direction. They follow more or less the same interests, like sonically and aesthetically. Um, and I would say like transit, it's almost like a continuation or like a different perspective or a more mature perspective on several topics and tools and production strategies that I had taken. So it's like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they are, they are like these two pieces of mine that uh, are not meant for the stage, like mm -hmm. many, like most of my works that are really meant for the stage, but are just meant to be this kind of a, uh, products uh, frozen in time that are mm -hmm. just there that are nice um, nice yeah yeah it's it's like a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing to have actually very very yeah. proud of them and it's it's really yeah yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of satisfied to have produced work in this direction mm -hmm. i personally really like the idea of you uh, having a, a vinyl for your music um I was reading an article and I also saw um, a video on Instagram uh, saying that uh, the market of vinyl, like last year, just overcome the CD, uh, <laughs> the, the CD market. And if you think about this, it's kind of uh, interesting, but also surprising. I mean, uh, yeah. I always thought it was like a format for nostalgic or. Uh, I mean, I, I also have some LPs, but I'm not looking for a specific edition, old edition, or specific color. The van is just the idea that I like to have this format, and it sounds to me better. I don't know why, but it seems more alive. But still, that I grew up with the CDs, and I was thinking that, oh, yeah, that's the future of music, you know, and now we are back on this format. And, of course, it's also elegant, and 
I always, uh, when some bands come to me talking about their music and ask me, oh, can you um, give me, give us some advices and everything? I always say, look, guys, um, try to think how do you want to present, like, choose a nice cover, don't it? the eye also is important for the product. And of course, I say, guys, um, I know that music cassette is coming back. I saw that they are producing music cassette readers, like similar to what we had like 20 years ago, but more fashionable and uh, and cool to see. And uh, uh, But I always say, guys, the vinyl is something that you should consider because uh, it's practical. It's aesthetic. People, I suppose, will are more into buy it even as a as an object. I also think in terrorism that normally with violin, yeah. um, vinyls, you have also the code for download on your computer or on your phone. But so you got both word, you know. And um, I also was in tour in November with this metal band Zilinardo and. We sold a lot of LPs. I saw people go out for the concert with the whole discography in vinyl, on vinyl, you know, like it's something cool. And so uh, for all the artists out there, just produce more vinyl. Let's do it <laughs> because it's something that for sure in the next year going to make a change, going to be stable and it's going to be very interesting. But yeah, um, in your specific case, if I think at the kind of music you do, thinking about the idea of you know coming home preparing something to drink and sitting on the sofa putting uh, uh the vinyl on the on the vinyl, uh, lp player and then start this music like this i i see it you know <laughs> yeah. it's cool it's cool it, it it's it's worthy and i think it, it was a very very nice choice for the label so if you want support joe and jordy oliver just go and buy this album because this is how we support musician, producer, and composer. Hey, um, my dear friends, uh, thank you very much for this talk. Um, I think that uh, we touch a lot of points that are very interesting and very expressive. Like uh, for me, for those I used to uh, listen to the podcast, they may notice that also I was careful in choose which word to use because... Um, is a is a special topic. It's something new, even for me. So uh, I really enjoy this talk because I definitely learn learn more. Um, I've learned more about you as as a, as an artist. I learn more about what is the idea behind this kind of electronic music, this new dimension, and um, I'm really happy that we had the chance to do this episode. Um, for those there are. Very interesting to get in touch with you. All the information that will be in the description of the episode. The episode will be released on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Deezer, and Apple Podcasts. So you have all platform you want to listen to it. Um, before we close the episode, do you want to add something to close? Um, no, I'm really thankful to you, Shanti, for the opportunity to talk about this. I think it's very inspiring and I myself really enjoy listening to all the artists and what they have to say music. I think there is some kind of a community like benefit from this to be able to listen to each other and to share experiences and ideas and yeah, I'm really happy that you approach this, this topic which is uh, sometimes um, delicate and it's kind of, uh, yeah, as you said, if we go into like new stages with open ears and open minds, mm -hmm. we get to learn a lot. Yeah, yes. Just very thankful to to chat with you about all of this. Hey, thank you very much. We want to do this already uh, sometimes ago, but I think we we have choose the right moment. Um, new year, new project. Also, uh, you you uh, release those two albums, so the results of material to support uh, your production and your vision. Uh, Jory, thank you very much. As I said, all the information in the description of the episode. Guys, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and follow Music to Live for with Shanti on Instagram. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this and see you next time. Check this out.